Hey everyone, welcome on into the Sandy Charles Show podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Charles, and this is on the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network. You guys, 2020 is almost over. Only two and a half more months left. And so I'm taking those two and a half, two months to really focus and dig deep for my dreams and get my heels into the ground and just go after it so hard. 2020 got aggressive with us. And so I'm getting aggressive back and I am knocking on those doors and I am showing up and I am smiling and I am happy because I will not let this year knock me down and knock me out. You know, it all, it almost had me there for a minute, (laughs) but I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let it go. So Eye on the prize, you guys. Let's finish strong. Let's finish together. Give yourself a pat on the back for getting this far and showing yourself grace because this year has been really turbulent. So go after those dreams. And speaking of dreams, my next guest is, it's a dream to have her on the podcast. I've had her on a lineup on my wall for a really long time, and I'm so glad it finally came to fruition. She is Danny Wexelman. You guys, she is such a light in this life and in this sports industry, and she's a light to other females in this business. Our lives intertwine because we both work for MLB Network. We both are in the same space. She is my little counterpart. I love and adore. Um, She holds down the east side of the nation. I hold down the west side for all things youth and amateur space for MLB Network. That's play ball events. That's PDP. That's breakthrough series, dream series, anything grassroots and really, I mean, interviewing eight-year-olds all the way up to 18-year-olds, maybe even five-year-olds, you know, at some of these play ball events. So really excited to have her on, to tell her story and share her story. Get out a notebook, get out a pen and paper. You're going to want to take notes because everything she says is gold and is so inspiring. I am so thankful and fortunate to call her a friend Without further ado, this is Danny Wexelman, Jill of All Trades. Danny, thank you so much for being on the show. Okay, Danny, so excited for you to be with me this bright and early, well, bright and early on my end, uh, Saturday morning. I appreciate you taking the time. I want to start just first, you do so much. So what, what are you doing right now? What do you cover? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. How fun is this? Um, we crossed paths a long time ago and barely get to see each other, but you are so kind to ask me onto your podcast um, to blab about myself. So thank you, first of all, for having me. And second of all, um, I am all over the place. That's a great way to put it. Um, right now, so, you know, amateur baseball season just wrapped up um, with like the biggest scouted event of this season. I unfortunately wasn't there, but um, I did a lot of amateur baseball this summer. So that part of like my life has wrapped. And then now we kind of sit and wait a minute because I actually started working for the National Lacrosse League and I covered the team in New York, the New York Riptide. The season's going to get pushed back. It's normally starting in December. So we are waiting on the start date for that. I'm hearing it's going to be in potentially March. So that is pushed back for me. I know like everybody else in this industry, our lives are kind of just turned upside down and at the will of everybody else right now, at the will of the pandemic, uh, I kind of think, which is scary and and 
unfortunate, but you just kind of take, take your punches and, and roll with it. So that season is pushed. I also work for major league rugby and that season was pushed. They announced their start date at the end of March. So both my uh, spring sports, so to speak, that I do sideline for are pushed back um, pretty far, which is, um, you know, unsettling, but I'm just glad that, you know, they'll hopefully have their feet off the ground because if you remember, they were the first ones to have to cancel Mm -hmm. earlier this year. So now they're trying to navigate, you know, will there, will we be able to have a season? Will there be fans in the stands? How will we be safe and protective of everybody? So those two sports are pushed. Um, I also work for Sirius XM radio and host for them. Sometimes um, someone asked me to be an analyst, which is hilarious during college baseball season. Um, So I'll get to do that. Um, So I have, you know, I have a contract with them and then who am I forgetting? Um, And then I, you know, I contract for MLB network just like you do. Um, And that is, you know, that's just on hold right now as the season winds up, I don't do anything with um, major league players. So Um, I just get to sit and watch the season, but it's a little crazy right now. I also have a podcast with my friend Alexa Dat, um, and we are starting that back up. We just had Lucas Giolito on, and we're going to release that in a few weeks. Um, And then just some side projects, some side hustles I'm working on with some friends. And um, yeah, it's, it's all over the place, but oddly, I feel kind of at peace right now knowing and, and praying that my seasons for my other sports will start back up in a few months. I know when you're like, who am I forgetting? I feel like you, I feel you because that's me all the time. I'm like, wait, I know there's another one. Yes. Um, I thought you were going to forget your podcast. And I was like, no, no, because I really, I wanted to ask you about that. But for Giolito, I love Giolito is one of my favorite. How was he to have on your podcast? Oh my God. The guy, first of all, is a stand-up human, a stand-up professional. And I was just super stoked to have him knowing that that was his first taste of the postseason. He kind of bounced back this season through the first no-hitter of his career, of the season. He was like, hands down, probably one of my favorite guests we've ever had. And I'm really excited to release it. We were going to wait just because there's a lot to consume right now with baseball. We were like, why would we release it and it get lost in the shuffle? So we're going to wait until season is over and then we'll drop it. But I think we're going to share some clips about him talking about Max Freed because mm. as you know, like that story is so interesting. Him, yeah. Max Freed and Jack Flaherty all from Harvard Westlake and all of them kind of thriving at the same time. But we got Lucas talking about Max. So we'll probably share that and just tease a little bit, hopefully, when Max makes his next start. Hopefully, if the Braves can figure this out. I know. I know what's going on. They're breaking my heart. Uh, I don't don't cheer for any team. I'm very neutral, but I would love to see them finish this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, both these championship series have just been turned on their head, which, of course, people love. Who doesn't want a game seven, of course? But, um, you know, I'd like to see some other teams get a chance to uh, make it to the World Series for once. I think that'd be nice. I agree. I definitely concur. Well, I'm excited for Giolito's, uh, the little snippets and then the final one. He is fantastic. The, what's the best part of doing a podcast? I know for me, I was very nervous. I would rather get in front of a camera. So for a podcast, what's the best part for you? The best part is having a chance to expand your ideas. And also for me, learning to share my opinions, which I find really tough and I'm sure you do as well. And just having conviction behind what you're saying. I think that 
often we're just so it's the point is hammered home. No one cares about your opinion. And so unless I really feel passionate about it, I'm not really going to share it. And so it's just a chance to kind of work on that skill and, and expand what you're thinking and what you want to say, because you have a lot of time to fill and on air, you get 90 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. You have to be concise. There's no flowery language. So it's just a chance to kind of work on that different skill, which I think could come in handy down the line, hopefully in some kind of different role, um, whether it's hosting a pregame show or, you know, whatever it may be. I think that just having the chance to riff a little bit is, is great. And doing the podcast with, you know, someone who is my best friend and a mentor and a family member at this point, we've known each other barely three years, I think, maybe four. And I was just really honored that she asked me to join her podcast and doing it with someone that I'm sorry, that you love, um, you know, just makes it that much more fun. We just get along really well and it works and, you know, it just makes it more fun that you get to share it with somebody instead of like, um, you know, these, we get some pretty cool guests. So it's just nice to be able to share with her, um, in, in that moment. So it's, it's very cool. I might've missed it, but for everyone's, what's the name of the podcast again? Oh yeah. I didn't say it. No, you didn't. (laughs) I'm a terrible promoter. It's called That's What She Said with Danny. And it's with Alexa Dat. Alexa hosts on MLB Network. She primarily does the rundown Mm -hmm. um, during the day, but um, you know, she's kind of a a Jill of all trades as well. And we met at MLB.com. So, you know, if she hadn't been there and, and I didn't get asked to co-host a show with her, that wouldn't be, this wouldn't be happening. So it's, it's very serendipitous how everything worked out. And you guys, like you said, you are family now pretty much. So within three years, how did that relationship, that friendship just bloom so much? It's so funny because when she first came to MLB.com, she had this incredible opportunity to host her own show, but she was also doing a show with Michael Kim and she, so she would get up really early and they didn't have anyone to be her co-host yet for her second show during the day. She was doing back to back. So I think her first show started at 6am. It went to maybe nine and then we would start our second show. And um, I was just kind of told, not even asked like, Hey, you need to, figure out how to co-host this show with her. And it just worked out really well. We just vibe because she is so smart. I don't know many people who do homework like she does and who are, who are so convicted in their thoughts and opinions and so confident in what she's saying. And I, I think am, I just kind of balance it out a little bit, thinking about situations in different ways. And I think that she appreciated that. And you know, when you don't know somebody and you get in a studio with them and you have to do a show, our show was an hour long. Um, and it's her show. It's not my show. It's her show. Eventually I feel like it kind of became our show as the more like we respected each other and realized that you, you don't have one without the other. Like truly it was just a great balance of things and, and we can challenge each other. And so I think just working together and realizing that we mutually respected each other when it had, when it came to our profession and then outside, we just got along. Like we are very chill. We, you know, are the things that make us happy are pizza and sports. And we would go to <laughs> Yankees games and buy the um, never ending popcorn buckets and just eat and watch and laugh and drink some beers. And then she moved on to MLB network. And then, you know, my life kind of, you know, wow, what's the word? Just kind of roller coastered a little bit. And she was just there for me. 
And I think like when you have someone who's dedicated and makes a conservative effort to make your life better, mm -hmm. uh, when they're really busy and they have really big things going on in their life, I think it kind of just solidified that like this person is a mentor. She's family. I have a text I saved from her when we were first starting and I, I asked her, I think to watch my demo and, and she texted me back and she's like, this is great. You need to believe in yourself. Like we need more people like you. Like, oh. I don't want you going anywhere. And we didn't at that point, didn't really know each other well enough. I felt like for me to even deserve a text like that. So we've come really far and she is absolutely family to me at this point. Um, we talk basically every day and then do the podcast together. So I'm super lucky. I have really great role models in my life and, and women who have kind of lifted me up and just been there for me. So I, I'm very lucky to be able to do that with her. That's awesome. You're, I was like, you're going to make me cry with that. <laughs> I just, we need, we do, we need more of what she did is supporting you and, and more yeah. all of that and more girl, women like you not giving up and keep pushing. And I love that. It's so beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that. She, I've only met her, I think twice now for, um, on the road stuff. It was the YouTube games or maybe the Facebook yes. games with MLB network. And she's so, so sweet. So I, I love that. I love that behind the scenes. You kind of open the curtain into our life as women in sports. Everyone thinks everyone's catty and we're yeah. here competing with each other. And that is not the case. You guys, like, I'm just he's like, we're going to lay it out there. That is not the case at all. No. I, have you is, can you, can you put that record straight too? And just, I know you just did with that text, but just kind of let everyone know this is not, this is a safe space for us. Yeah. So I think it would have been really easy for her to never say that to me, to feel mm -hmm. like she's got to protect her domain, protect that space for herself and look out for herself. She could have easily, easily stuck her nose up and not said anything to me. Yeah. But the fact that she opened the door like that, um, and I barely knew her and I very much looked up to her. I remember her walking in to the fourth floor of MLB.com and just being like, wow, like I want to be that, like, that's what I've been working for so hard here. Like all I need is just a chance, right? Everyone just needs one break and, yep. and that's it. It's all we're looking for. So she could have easily kind of just like put me back in my place and she didn't. I think what people confuse really easily is people wanting women specifically wanting more for themselves and women who are um, scratching and clawing their way to get there because that's what we have to do. We have to scratch yeah. and claw. We don't get to just politely knock. That's not how it works no. <laughs> with us. And people confuse that with us tearing each other down to get like what I'm envisioning is like women. It's like mean girls and people yes. just like climbing over each other to get to wherever they want to go. It doesn't look like that. Listen, I will like totally say I have come across women who didn't support me, who didn't care to see me grow. There, those people exist. They exist in every, mm -hmm. um, you know, corner. But the majority of people that um, you know and I know and that exist in this industry, they get it. They yeah. they have been in our shoes and they there's room. There truly, truly is room for everyone. So like, don't confuse competitiveness within ourselves and the the hunger to want better for ourselves and to want more for ourselves with us thinking that we have to tear people down to get there. That's not how it works at all. That is, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone explain that perfectly, but that, <laughs> that was it. It's because they, they do confuse it with the two and they do. 
It's, it's so true. And I've never of all, I would say 98% of the women that I've encountered have all been so loving and supportive. There are two yeah. I can think of in the whole time I've been in this industry in 12 years that, yeah. but uh, I want to focus on those 90 and the, the ones that are like Alexa Dat that are like, Hey, girlfriend, keep going. We need you. Yeah, <laughs> Let's absolutely. focus on that. I personally wish I could have two hours with you because there's so many things. I just keep making notes and I'm like, okay, wait, that, and that and that I do want to get I do want to touch about MLB Network but a little bit later first yeah. lacrosse and rugby because yeah. we do not have that out here in Arizona <laughs> so how did you get involved what is that like man it's wild so um we'll rewind really quickly 2019 I got laid off from MLB.com and kind of blindsided by that and luckily because of the women because of my connections because you know I have worked my way up. I reached out to someone at CBS and was just like, Hey, here's my situation. They email me back, connect me with someone at major league rugby, which is a very new league. And they're like, here, like, we know that you don't um, conversationally know how to speak about this game, but you know how to do your job. So they threw me on a broadcast in New York in 2019. And from there, I didn't do any more for them that season. But last season, I was on their opening day roster and flew out to Vegas for back-to-back -back weekends um, for opening weekend last year for Major League Rugby. And I've just kind of, I hosted their draft this year. Um, awesome. You know, it's really special because they totally understand that I don't know the game like the back of my hand, but they don't mm -hmm. mind that. They know that I'm not disrespecting the sport. They know that I'm not a dummy, but they asked me to host their first ever draft um, probably because I'm in New York too. The other women who are, are sideline were out West. And I think during the pandemic, it was just easier, but I'll take it. I'll take the win. Yeah. Um, it was really special for me. And so that was a case of reaching back out to someone who had kindly given me a compliment one time a few years ago. And I um, explained that I had lost my job and she hooked me up and I'm forever grateful. Uh, her name is Julie Kersey and she's at CBS and she's been an ally for me ever since. And I follow up and let her know what's going on. So that was, um, that was a case of just me trying to utilize the people in my life. Mm -hmm. And then, um, lacrosse worked out really well because, um, I have been searching for a winter type sport for a while and it's tough when baseball is basically year round and I realized I was like, I, I need something else. So I reached back out to Julie at CBS and it's, I, it's crazy actually. It's just like, she has been so amazing, but I reached back out to her. She connected me with someone who was part of the production team for the New York Riptide, which is the team I sidelined for. And ironically, they were just looking, starting to look for a sideline reporter, but they needed someone very quickly. And so the whole thing happened in about three weeks um, from just negotiating to uh, agreeing that I would be available for the home games. And so I got a contract with them. I just re-signed a contract for the 2021 season and doing, I actually host a podcast for them as well and hoping to create more content. But um, that was just a case of me, again, just trying to be aggressive and add more to my plate and try to fill all my seasons um, with, with sports. And, and to be honest, to add a challenge to my plate, I don't know lacrosse and rugby like the back of my hand. I've worked really hard to learn the language. You know, I'm working with a baseball field, a rugby pitch, and a lacrosse floor. 
those are like first and foremost, like just remembering and, and sounding intelligent, knowing the difference between my sports in that respect. And I know that you know that feeling as well. Mm -hmm. um, just making sure you're on top of it as much as you can, but them understanding that I am a pro at my job, I'm a pro at what I do, and I wouldn't let them down. So that was, um, you know, that's a confidence booster for sure. But it was just cool to kind of diversify myself in that way and challenge myself. Um, the NLL and New York Riptide are on Bleacher Report, which is a cool platform for me to be on. I like the digital space. And then we're locally on MSG. That's a huge thing. I haven't been on regional cable since college. And to have the opportunity in, in those spaces is huge, huge, huge for me. So they really did me a favor. And I think I've like repaid them in, you know, the way I've conducted my business. And I think our broadcast was phenomenal working with a crew for the very first time in rugby and in lacrosse people I don't know. Um, and just making TV magic, honestly, like just working with serious professionals who have fun and get it and, and are accommodating to me who's still trying to navigate my way through. But um, it's a scary feeling when you don't, when you feel like you have to prove yourself and, mm -hmm. and women ask me all the time, I'm sure they ask you like, are they going to ask me if I know this? Are they going to check if I know this? And I'm like, if they're professionals, they should, they should trust the fact that you know how to do your job. You know how to do your homework and how to research things for yourself. And if someone is questioning your intelligence or your understanding of the sport or, or working knowledge of how a play is run, then that person should be checked. It's not you who should be checked. It's that person because no one would ever question a male's intelligence. Um, it's often just women who are worried about um, knowing enough or being enough. So I am lucky in the sense that both of those jobs have never, ever questioned that about me. And if I have a question, it is never, um, I never feel like dumb or, or silly for asking it. I love that you mentioned kind of you wanted to be challenged with all this and it sounds like you are being challenged and the, my main mindset this whole lap year with aside from the pandemic is really just pushing myself and getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. Is that yeah. kind of where you're at with the rugby and the lacrosse? I think when I lost my job in 2019, um, I, I hate to like bring it up again, but it was such a turning point for me and something that I didn't think would happen so early in my career um, that my mindset since February 2019 has been get comfortable with the uncomfortable because it's really uncomfortable to lose your identity. And oftentimes people confuse um, someone who is so passionate about what they do in the creative space and someone who... Um, you know, can't take a break from their work or, or don't understand how to just be themselves. It's not that I don't know how to be myself. It's that like working in such a passionate and creative place does give me an identity and it does make me feel like I'm contributing. And so being uncomfortable um, has just been a theme for the past two years. And, you know, I was really excited to have a winter sport in 2020 to fill, you know, December, January, February, March for me. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, it's kind of like redoing, losing my job all over again. I lost all my work as everybody did, but I was like, I just did this one year ago. This just happened to me. Um, but because I had just went through it and I had, um, I took time to reach out to a therapist and, and talk to somebody about, about um, differentiating between my identity and mm. my job. And what I realized though, is that 
I work in a passionate creative space. If I was in finance, it would be different. You don't associate yourself with your job. When you work in creative spaces, you are your job and it is what it is. And I've accepted that. So yeah, I think um, just being able to, um, you know, get comfortable with the uncomfortable has been a huge help for me. It doesn't always work. I still tailspin. I still um, have a lot of anticipatory anxiety um, with, with work and being, I don't really control anything. I only control what they give me or when they decide to give it to me. And that's not always easy, but um, I, I have worked really hard to kind of finally spread my wings in this contract freelance space. It's not easy to navigate all the time, but um, I have been lucky in the sense that my jobs kept me around in some space, in some regard, when everyone else was kind of like scrambling for things. So, um, you know, I took my hits in 2019, I took them in 2020, and I'm sure I'll continue to take them, but I'm a little more equipped and just mentally prepared for what that feels like now. You're resilient. I, I was wondering, cause I was going to ask how, you know, how do you bounce back? what do you learn from that adversity? But you mentioned the therapist and I think that's something yeah. that we all need and we need to be able to talk about openly because everyone kind of on the mental side of things, they kind of rush it under the rug. Uh, so the therapist side of it, I love they were the one that kind of got you to see that your identity is okay to still be, cause we are, I mean, my identity is the on air stuff and I love it totally. so much. So he or she got you to really accept that. Yeah. So what my issue was, was being so connected to my work and not realizing that it was okay if I wasn't working a Saturday or <laughs> it was okay if my work day was 12 to four um, and not, feeling like because I'm not doing my normal work that I'm not me. I'm mm -hmm. still me. I'm still the same person. And I, I feel like this is a pretty common thread with people that we work with because our work is competitive. Our work is um, exclusive. There's not a lot of people who do what we do. And when you get a job, you want to keep it for as long as you can. And you want to grow in that space. When that gets cut short, it's, it's, um, I don't know. It's hard to, to differentiate um, those things and also not feel like uh, that failure is your failure. It's, it's yeah. just, it is a part of the industry. So differentiating between those and just kind of working through the space. And ironically, you know, when we all lost our work in 2020, I reached out to her. Um, I had been talking to her less frequently and I, I laughed and I said, see, this is, this is exactly what we were preparing for. We just <laughs> didn't know it was going to be so quickly. I would have to be dealing with this again, but I did have the tools. I, because at the end of the day, what you deal with in your job often reflects things that you could deal with in your personal life. And I said to her, I was like, I need tools. I need something because I know this is going to happen again to me and I'm going to feel disappointment. I'm going to feel anxiety, um, in these situations and even a little depression just, mm -hmm. um, with the situation is totally normal. And, and it happens sometimes out of nowhere it, for no reason. And so she gave me these tools and, and I apply them all the time. And, um, yeah, like you mentioned for me, I mean, I could talk about the mental game for hours and hours, but I will say, I think I've just like over the past, since probably moving to New York, I've been here almost seven years. Um, being from the Midwest, being from a place that moves at a much slower pace that um, prioritizes different things that my mental health has been a huge priority for me. And it, 
I, I would like urge people to make sure that like their space and their headspace is where they want it to be or, or working on it. Because at the end of the day, it's the driving force in a lot of things that we do. And, um, if we don't, you know, when you have, uh, you know, when you, you break your wrist, you know, you go to the doctor to get it fixed. When, when you feel sad, like you should go talk to somebody. Um, it doesn't, it, it's going to linger. It's, you know, you're, you, if you're going to take care of your body physically, you should take care of your body mentally as well. And, um, it's not for everyone. It's definitely not, but I do think that, um, sometimes we're just afraid because of what people will say, or it's, it's a sign of weakness and it's not, mm -hmm. it truly is, um, just an opportunity to kind of work some things out and to take care of yourself. And that's like number one priority, especially in a global pandemic um, that no one <clears throat> anticipated happening in our lifetimes or knew could be possible. So it's okay if like things are weird and your head is weird and, and sometimes you feel sad. I have so many friends reaching out who are, who are expressing these emotions all the time. People who, you know, quote unquote, look happy or appear happy and it's okay. You can I, I said to a friend the other day, it's, they're mutually inclusive. You can be really happy or, or think that your life is really happy and you have nothing to be bummed about, but you can also like emotionally feel bummed. They, yeah. Those things can exist in the same exact space and you have nothing to apologize for if you feel that way. Yeah. I totally agree. I wrote down, I was like, New York version of me, everything you're saying from, <laughs> from the mental side to the competitiveness or lack thereof, you know, how we don't compete. Um, and the opinion base, I, it's something mm. I'm still getting used to. And I, again, we're told as hosts, your opinion does not matter. Stop it. And so that's something I'm trying, but it's so hard. So I wrote down New York version of me is you. <laughs> <laughs> Everything yes. you've said, I'm like, yes, me. <laughs> yes. It's I true. Want, it's so true. Everything. You're you're so good at explaining it. And that's why you're such a professional because that's that's our job. Storytelling. You're so, <laughs> you're so good at it. Um, I do want to kind of backtrack just a little, little bit. Sure. Um, college and growing up just, I know I'm totally going, I should start there, <laughs> no, but I totally, just a little background on you, college and how you got to New York. For sure. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri and realized a little bit later what I wanted to do in life, but basically it came down to the fact I did want to study journalism and the University of Missouri has the number one, if not, you know, maybe one and a half program um, in the country. And I'm biased, but we have this incredible station, KOMU. It's a real TV station in Columbia, Missouri. And as a student, you can work there as a freshman. And it's called the Missouri Method. And I just got really lucky the fact that it was in state. And so I studied there, um, got my undergrad in journalism, Bachelor of Journalism. And obviously wanted to do sports. I think that news is, is not my jam. News is not the way I want to, um, you know, navigate my life and, and tell stories in that way. I wanted to tell sports stories and, um, you know, we chose a ambitious path and I wouldn't have it any other way. So graduated um, from Mizzou and I couldn't get a job. I graduated in 2011 because the job market was shit. And so uh, bounced around a little bit, ended up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, working for the Nationals AA affiliate, the Harrisburg Senators. And I got to watch Garrett and Cole pitch um, in AA. I watched Zach Wheeler. Um, you know, I watched a lot of really good guys in that league. It was a super cool experience. And then I moved back to Missouri 
and worked for a home loan company, Veterans United Home Loans. This is where we took a hard left turn and I couldn't get a job in sports. It was really hard. It was really, really hard. Even with my, you know, Mizzou Mafia and with my connections, I just couldn't land anything. This was also the time that working for a sports team became the thing to do. Mm. Sports teams were realizing that they were a brand. They needed someone to, to be the face of that brand. And so I was applying to, I had like a final round interview with the Utah Jazz. I remember I was like, Utah, what do I know about Utah? Nothing. <laughs> I know nothing about the state of Utah. I know nothing about Utah basketball, but whatever. Like, you know, that's kind of where I was at. I was just all over the place. But I worked for this home loan company back in my college town, and it's one of the most rewarding jobs I've had. I told military stories. I told a story about a quad amputee and who is rally car racing with Ken Block. Ken Block is in rally cars, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was super cool and very rewarding. I had the best boss I've ever had who, who taught me how to color outside the lines and make mistakes and be messy and try things, and I am forever grateful. Her name's Sarah Hill. And I wouldn't be here if she hadn't taught me that it's okay. I welcome mistakes now. I actually, that's, again, goes back to lacrosse is being challenged, knowing I was going to make some mistakes, but I would get to, not have to, but get mm -hmm. to grow from them. I was just yearning to have a chance to grow and learn more in this industry. And I knew that would be a good alleyway, but without someone teaching me, it was okay to make the mistake because you get to grow from it. I wouldn't have felt that way. I would have probably been really apprehensive and um, way less confident going into a gig I really didn't know much about. Um, and then I realized it was 20, like 13, if I didn't leave Missouri, um, I, would, I might never leave Missouri. And I really wanted to spread my wings and, and fly. So I reached out to someone who went to Mizzou, worked at MLB.com, Brian Mortensen. And Mort is a dear friend. And he's like, we're actually hiring right now. So I applied, um, I had to fly out on my own dime and I went to have an edit test. So you have an edit test, you have a facial recognition test, which is there's like 30 faces on a page and you have to identify them. And then I had like a historical quiz. Um, you know, how, how many teams did Randy Johnson play for? Who was the nice. um, 2005 World Series MVP? You know, it was, it was all over the place and I studied uh, for a long time. Um, I guess I could probably say it now, but um, I had a little bit of uh, insider information that these things were coming my way. So I did a lot of studying because I wanted to get this job yeah. and I wanted it more than anything. I didn't answer my phone for like two weeks and I had like a thousand flashcards just making sure I knew everyone and everything. And I get to New York, I go to Chelsea Market have an interview. I'm wearing a ridiculous dress and everyone in the office is in like khakis and <laughs> pretty much all dudes. And I'm wildly uncomfortable. I take my edit test. I take my quizzes. I meet with a couple of the big bosses and uh, I think I did pretty well. I'm, I'm a good editor and I leave. I, I fly back to Missouri the next day. So I was in New York for 24 hours, fly back to New, uh, Missouri and it's Mardi Gras weekend. I get a phone call the next day I got the job. And so I had to fly out to New York two weeks later. So I mm -hmm. sold my car. I sublet my apartment. I got rid of everything. I brought two suitcases and moved and, you know, worked the first day I landed. I was ready to rock and roll. And I knew that this was a good chance for me to get back into sports, having taken a year off, which felt mm -hmm. like a hundred years. So that's kind of like the background of how I got to New York. And then I've just really worked really hard 
to get to this point, not a point. I didn't know I would be at this point or where I would be, but um, I've worked my ass off every day Mm -hmm. since I landed in New York. So that's kind of a little bit (laughs) of a long-winded, but hopefully um, compact story of how I got here. It's so good. Again, you're just great at storytelling. I think uh, not enough people, young people know that these networks do have us take tests beforehand. I know the NFL Network has one. It was like yeah. a thousand pages and it was so <laughs> hard. And so young people out there, you have to know it inside and out. I didn't know the test was coming and I showed up and I was like, oh yeah, you're not going to want to give this to me. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's, it's a lot and it's intense and you, you are intimidated, but honestly, like if you want it, just, just study it, just Mm -hmm. know it like the back of your hand, like put your phone away for two weeks and just learn it and devote yourself to it. You'll be better for it. I know I am because I could pretty much name any player still in the league today. And um, that's because I, I took the time to do it then, but yeah, it's crazy what they want from you. And it's, it should be, you know, it is what it is. If that's what they want, then go get it. If you want the job bad enough, like you'll learn it. Yeah. And we're in a weed out profession. Everyone always asks me, what do I need to do? I'm like, we're in a weed out profession. So just like that weed out classes in college, the one who's going to actually put in the work and stay patient and work and have off office hours and meet with the professor. We're in a weed out profession. It's, this is all a patience game, but what are you doing in that patience? What are you studying? What are you doing? What are, if you're not on camera every day, are you going out and shooting it on your own? Like it is a weed out profession. And that's always my advice to people that are like, I haven't booked anything. I haven't booked anything. It's just stay patient, stay the course because this industry wants to weed you out. Don't let it. (laughs) Yeah, I would, I, I totally agree with that. And, and the industry doesn't really care about you. That's the thing. Your, your coworkers will, but the industry per se doesn't care about you because there are so many people coming and going. The turnover is so great. Um, it doesn't have time, which is unfortunate, but, but your family, your, your coworkers, that your, your production team, you know, that's really where you make your family. But I will just add to that also, I think it's overwhelming to think about getting better at what you do. You're like, where do I start? How, how much time do I have to put into this? And I would say it's super cliche. I'm not the first and not the last to say it, but like 1% better every day. That's it. You don't have to be a hundred percent better every day. You don't have to spend hours and hours studying every day, just 1% better. So for me, I'm trying to work on my Spanish. How am I doing one thing every day for an hour to get better at that? Because I genuinely want to. So if you want to learn more about baseball, then every day. How about you hop on the page of a team and you go to the Cardinals website and you learn their roster. You make flashcards and you learn their name and where they're from and what position they play. That's it. Do that every day for 30 days. That's super easy. That's an hour of your time. And you're that much, you're 30 teams smarter by the end of it in a month. Like in the big picture, we think we have to know everything right away. I think I thought when I was 23, I had to be at my dream job. I had to be at where everyone else was in my industry. And, and I graduated with some, some top dogs, dude. Like one of my friends in Dallas is going to be the next Lester Holt, mm. a thousand percent. One of my friends is going to be the top political dog. Like my friends really crushed the journalism school. And so you feel behind, but like, it doesn't work that way. Like, look where I am. I've, I was told at MLB.com by a former boss, um, that I made a lot of left turns in a place that only made right turns. And 
it was a dig at me because I was annoying and I asked for more work and I asked for what I wanted because I knew I was not going to be an editor for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And it annoyed them that I was asking for so much, but also good at what I was doing. And so it is ironic that in baseball, you do make left turns, but uh, you know, I know what he was trying to say and I don't care because that was me trying to get better 1% better every day. Um, and I, I know it, it paid off. So, you know, literally put up your, your, your blinders and just focus on you, like rock yourself. There's not a better time on earth, like in your lifetime to be yourself. Like there's not, seriously not a better time to just focus on who you are and growing yourself and not worrying about what anyone else is doing. That 1%. So I'm really hard on myself. And last night sidelining wasn't my best. I was having an off night. How do you shake off those off nights? What do you do? So I, I will look back and rewatch it and I'll write down the things that I could have done better. And then that's it. And then I move on. Um, there are times I linger. Um, I, I totally understand that. And especially when you're not on camera as much as you want to be, you feel like you've got a nail every single time you're on, right? You're like, this is it. I'm not going to be on for another week. I won't have, there's seven days between that. And there are people who are on air every single day. You just need the reps and you're like, oh my God, I, I didn't nail it, but I'll go back because that's how you get better, right? You watch what you do. I'll watch it. I'll take my notes. And then the next time I go out, so next Friday, I would go out and, and just put little notes in my column, like um, smile first, take a breath, less information, whatever it was. And then that's it. So you're just trying to get better. Like, and you're your hardest critic. I bet you nobody else said anything to you about it. It's just you wanting to be your best self and wanting to present yourself in the best way. So I will, I'll squash it quickly. I won't let it, I won't wait four days to watch myself over again. Or if I know what I, I think I could do better, I just write it down and then let it go. It's really hard to do that. Um, and, and like, I know that that goes back to like the mental part of it, but I truly just try to squash it as soon as I can. And just, you know, that you're good at what you do. So just be confident in that. Um, and, and know that your one little hiccup guess what? Aaron Andrews has hiccups. Michelle Tafoya has hiccups. Holly Rowe has hiccups. They still have hiccups. Yeah. They still do. It still happens even at the highest level. Like it's human nature. We're doing a really weird job. So you just squash it and let it go as fast as you can. I'm so bad at squashing it. I will beat myself up for two yeah. weeks and still carry it with me. I said so, or I said well, or I said now, like I'm trying to get rid of those little weak uh, yeah. transitions that we have. And I think I said totally. one last night. <laughs> um, right. Now you're like, okay, I'm going to think about that for two weeks now and berate myself. But I mean, that's the thing too, dude, is like in this moment, just, you have to be, you have to be kind to yourself. Like we've gone through this crazy human experience together and no one is bashing you for saying those little words. And you might say them in five years again, you might accidentally pop one out. Um, you know, big picture, focus on big picture. Like, did you make your point? Did people understand? Did they learn? Did they grow from what you said? Um, did you confuse anybody? Did, did anybody die? No. Okay. All right. Then you did a good job. End of story. <laughs> so how are you're kind of transitioning semi right into analysts, like you mentioned. So are you taking all of this advice into your analyzing <laughs> too? 
Oh my God. Of course, it's so much easier to give it than take it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. So during college baseball, I, I've been really fortunate that Sirius kind of is utilizing me in different ways. So I hosted a show at the College World Series for a week. And then once I came home, um, they asked me to analyze what was going on, which is a really different role than a host. And it's really nerve wracking because you don't just get to ask a question and then, and then lay out like you are providing them insight and information. You want to make them, you want to make the listener smarter. You want to help them learn something or teach them something, which is the same as a sideline reporter. But again, it goes back to being able to speak more freely and, and also give an opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I take rigorous notes. I have a million notes up on my laptop when I, when I would do those um, call-ins and they would ask me to give an opinion. What do you think this team is going to be like? How do you think this guy's going to perform? I mean, it's a lot of pressure. I, I have still a really long way to go to feel comfortable giving opinions like that because I'm not ingrained in the space as much as I want to be. I live in New York and um, I'm working on trying to integrate myself more but yeah it's really just like being kind to yourself and listen we work in an industry where someone will call you out when you do something wrong they're very quick yeah. to let you know that's really the only time you hear from anybody which is why you have to give yourself praise and you have to um celebrate little victories you don't have to celebrate them wildly but like pat yourself on the back like no one else is going to pat you on the back i promise you that um and if you get someone who does like keep them close to the vest because it's pretty rare when that happens so yeah, it's really just like being kind to myself and um, trying to listen how other people do it. Find your own style as well. Find your voice again, like be no one is better than you. Like that's my mindset. Literally no one in the industry is better than me at what I do. Um, and that's why they're calling me. And that's why you still have your job. Like they're not going to say, Oh, sorry, Sandy. Like you got to go. You, you said, so we can't have our sideline reporter saying so, you know what I mean? Like they would tell you, they would, they would make the adjustment, which is why we have to do it ourselves. Um, and we, we have to force ourselves to pick nitpick. We're like, Oh, what was that one little thing? Cause it couldn't have been perfect. No way. I nailed my job. Like, but Truly, I'm sure if we went back and watched what you did, I would be like, what's wrong? I literally didn't see one thing wrong with what you did. So I guarantee that that is what would be the case. But I, I think I still prefer the hosting um, role, but I think it is so freaking cool that they would think that highly of me to ask me to be a type of analyst um, or a quote unquote expert um, in the field to give my opinion. It's wild. It's awesome, Danny, and you. Were, and so it's really great, and especially in the climate that we're in right now. Being yeah. a yes. trade, like you said earlier, like um, Alexa is, is just owning that and being you. I mean, especially with the pandemic, you have to be a host, you have to be a sideline reporter, you have to do play-by-play, -play, analyst, you have to do all and editor, all of it now in order yeah. to really be successful. So it's huge, and that's it's awesome for you. Uh, very exciting. I will add to um, that the space, the radio space um, involving women is massively lacking. So if you are a woman and you want to get a foot in, I would call your local radio station and ask to be a part. The, that space is dying for more female voices, for more diversity in general, but especially for females. Um, that's an incredible place to start. And it, it truly is more opportunistic than it's made out to be. I think that's why it's been dominated so much by males is because it's kind of like a best kept secret in the yeah. industry. Like radio is actually as great as any other medium. Um, 
it's just kind of people don't see it because you're not on camera, right? Oh, what would I do with that? It's not on camera, but like your voice is on serious. I mean, uh, when I do college baseball or um, amateur baseball, those shows are on MLB network radio and ESPNU radio and air multiple times to hundreds of thousands of people. Um, that's really powerful. And people will respect the hell out of you if you can learn to grow and navigate that space. So I would highly recommend it um, to women who don't know where to start or, or, or think that TV is the only place to get your reps. It's not, you can get them in a space like radio. Hundred percent. And I was going to ask you your advice to other females or and young people in general. And you hit it on every, every <laughs> front, which is awesome. I love that. I did update Anchor for a little bit out here. Um, I don't know if I'll go back with the pandemic. I'm not sure what they're going to do, but it yeah. was. Definitely outside my comfort. It was so, I was more nervous for that than I was on camera. (laughs) Seriously, it's true. So true. It pushes you. Um, Okay, so I will let you, I know I've kept you a long time. Last question. Our paths cross because of our jobs with MLB Network and covering the youth space that we do. And so I've kind of, when people ask me how to describe it, I'm like, well, I'm kind of the West and Danny's the East. And then we just yeah. interview eight-year-olds all the way up to 19-year-olds. <laughs> so it's really awesome what we get to do and so honored and blessed. And I'm glad we can live in this space together. What would you say yes. is your favorite part about what we get to do? We get to tell the stories of no-named athletes before they become multi-million dollar athletes and they're willing to share so much more and they're willing to provide way more time and again I'll say it again it's kind of the best kept secret and to be honest I think working in a professional sport is a privilege beyond like I am so grateful and lucky and I wouldn't trade those things but to be honest, I prefer to work in the college and amateur space as opposed to working for a major league team. I just think there's something really special about watching a kid from 14 to 18 grow into um, not only like an incredible athlete, like a beast of an athlete, but just like people, the people that they are and sharing those memories and those moments with them, but getting to tell their stories, it, there's literally nothing better. And I, um, you know, I'm hoping to just really continue to grow in the college space even more so and, and continue in the amateur space. But yeah, MLB network does some really special things. I think the breakthrough series team that, um, MLB has created and organized to serve communities, diverse communities, black communities, kids who are overlooked. And, and frankly, baseball needs more black athletes, um, needs more diverse athletes in it. And this team is a great place to start. And you and I have both covered um, different varying events that um, provide that space. And these kids, man, they are so special. And so their personalities are out of this world large. And they just want to be seen. I've talked to a couple of kids this summer who um, have experienced racism at a young age, who, who know what's going on in the world, who are very in tune to the climate. And they are vocal and they have things to say and they deserve to say them without being punished in the long run or deserve or, or risk feeling like they're risking a team overlooking them or, or someone not paying attention to them because they they spoke out against something that we should all be speaking out against. And so MLB has, has those teams and has 
and has those platforms and those experiences and opportunities for the those communities for the black communities for the underserved communities and honestly i think that's where like some of my best work and and potentially your best work as well could be um in the future is just providing platforms and and giving them a freaking voice give these kids a voice tell their stories um you know there are so many great athletes and i like i just think to this class of 2021 i'm you know one of my goals next year is to be a part of draft coverage in some way shape or form and um, to be able to share a little bit more about these kids and who they are, uh, because honestly, I, I think we have like the best jobs in the world. Truly. I do think that. 100%. I, anytime I talk about it or think about it, there's times, there's times I've left a uh, like dream series or any other events in LA or breakthrough where I just cry on the way home. because <laughs> I'm like, I like, I just got paid to do this. And I am so like, I'm such a baby. I cry at everything. But when my heart, <laughs> when my heart is happy is when I cry the most. And yes. We just People- are so blessed people see you like laughing or smiling at your job, which doesn't always happen. But I try to tell people like, don't, don't let people know I'm having the time of my life doing this job and telling these stories. Because again, these kids, they'll share, they're willing to share. They, they want you to know who they are. I think as opposed to maybe even three, four years back, they didn't, they didn't care to share as much. I think today, these kids with um, social media, they want they want to have a voice. They want you to know who they are. They're people behind the athletes. Um, and they're, they want you to know exactly who they are and to be able to share it and to laugh and have a good time. Um, I don't want anyone to know. I don't want anyone to come for my job. Um, I hate my job, everybody. It's not great. It's terrible. No. Um, you know, I just think it, it doesn't really get better than when you, um, feel like your work is not a job, right? It's just something that you, you are so lucky to be able to do. Hundred percent, and I think of all the amazing people like Carlene and Tony and Jim and everyone that yes. has brought into our life, and I love oh them all, and I God. love you. Oh, and I love you too. This has been awesome. I know I hijacked your Saturday morning afternoon. So, Danny, thank you so much. I you've been on my radar for so long, and girlfriend, I just admire and I appreciate you so much. I know that I'm far in Arizona, but we have this bond and with, I, I know the unspoken bond between all women in sports and in broadcasting, but between you and I, especially for everything that you went through and that we went through and that yes. seen each other go through. I just love you. And thank you for this. Well, thank you for giving me a chance to tell a little bit of my story and, and be on the other side of it. Um, you know, we are absolutely in each other's corners and, um, make each other better. And I think like being able to share a space with somebody, again, I'm not trying to take your job. I, and if you take my job, then so be it. Like, you know, I just think that, um, being able to share a space like this and just share spaces in general with women in the sports industry is really, really unique and special. And, um, I want the best for you and I know how hard you work and how much prep you do and homework you do, um, to be so excellent and, and next level at your job. So thank you for, for wanting to hear from me and share some of my story. 